yeah uh, hello everyone and hope everyone is in great health and having a great time out there we have had many episodes talking about customer journey mapping cx metrics collaboration of cx customer success onboarding and a lot more and today we are going to talk about how cx in b2b saas is impacted by marketing and yes it is hugely impacted but how why these are some of the questions that we'll discuss in this podcast today for experience talk and we have an expert with us and i and nk are personally a huge fan of hers she's a digital marketing and customer experience leader over 20 years of experience in driving brand product customer experience content strategies and even sales she's the founder and host of cx chat a weekly twitter chat on customer experience and employee experience this is where i actually saw her for the first time so welcome to none other than sue dioris hi sue how are you doing today Oh great. Thank you for inviting me. Um I always love to talk about customer experience. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> And I think it's it's a, it has become ours too since we have been talking to a lot of you guys. And thank you for joining us in our podcast today. And before we start Sue, uh tell me a little about when did you decide or how come you landed up in the CX field and why? Oh wow. That, well that is a loaded question. So um I got my bachelor's degree in economics and um I was very interested in econometrics um the uh the tool that many companies use to forecast and plan and I wanted to do that I, so I went into corporate finance and okay. planning and I I worked my way up I did a lot of analysis um financial planning forecasting uh budgeting things things of that nature then um it was at a telecom company that the vice president of sales and marketing liked what I was doing on the financial services side um I was working with a lot of customers at that point billing doing the corporate finance and things of that nature that he asked me to um join product management as a okay. senior product manager okay and um and I did um product management and corporate marketing and I did that for for a while worked worked up the ranks And I found that I was working with sales. Um and sales sales tends to be a little trepidatious, I guess. Um kind of a, a little cautious with marketing and all comes down to that is the marketing qualified lead the same as a sales lead. And right. I was very intrigued. So I took a sales role, a sales manager sales manager role for a couple of years to really walk into their shoes. and i i noticed a lot of different things so when i went my next my next step was to move into i was very intrigued with startups so i moved to silicon valley and took on lead, leadership roles in in marketing and okay. that's when i really found that sales i i was really connecting with sales because they understood i had walked in their shoes oh she gets us right so at that point um the dot com bubble burst and uh -huh. um I decided, okay, I'm going to I'm going to be a contractor, start my own consulting company doing marketing, PR, product mark product marketing and management. And then it wasn't until about 20 twenty eleven, 2012 that I pivoted into customer experience. I I was back in the 90s, I was involved in a term um called solution selling. Um right. back from the the big Oh, the big companies, um, the big public companies like telecoms and networking companies. That I was always 
interested in the, the retention, the loyalty, the advocacy piece, because that's where true growth start. Really, right. you get true growth in that. And I was listening to some people like Bruce Temkin, Gene Bliss, they, they were talking about customer experience. And it really clicked for me that it's not all only about when somebody becomes a customer mm -hmm. to start, do, start really focusing on the customer experience. It's also before they're a customer. Right. You really need to show that consistency because if you can consistently show, provide a quality experience while they're a customer during the buyer journey, mm -hmm. then when they transition into the customer journey, it's so much easier for them to understand I'm going, or what do I want to say here? Um, aligning that brand promise with what they're actually getting from an experience, they right. will, they'll have that consistency and that will enable them to actually stay longer for, for a lifetime. And that drives your customer lifetime value. That's right. Okay. So that's, a, so your main specific reason for going into this, you were in marketing is that you wanted the customer experience to start from before they become the customer. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It's, it's, it's all about consistency. It just can't start when, when you become a customer. Right. That's a very interesting point. So I think now I get it uh, why NK wanted to speak to you about B2B CX and marketing because of this very reason that you, you are fond of doing this, that before the customer comes in, I want to make sure the consistent experience is consistent. I think a lot of it comes down to, as a CX person, you have to have two things in your back pocket. You have to be empathetic. You want to show empathy. And number two is you want to be curious. And right. if you're curious about people, you're going to want to understand customer experience and how they're, how, they're getting, how they're getting customers, how they're keeping customers so that you can help them be even more, um, what do I want to say, more valuable, drive more right. customer value to their customers. Right. Yeah. I think curiosity. I, so, Sue, so, before we jump onto the topic, uh, like you have been into product management, sales, and customer experience marketing, like m finance, like m almost everywhere now. Mm -hmm. uh, I think empathy and curiosity is required everywhere, right? So for every domain that you are in. Oh, I agree. I agree. That empathy and customer experience, or excuse me, empathy and curiosity should be in any person's, not even, in, for, forget about um um, as an employee, it should right. be in a human, every human being's bag of tricks. Right. Yeah, so, so, so I think I got this, uh, like this, you bring up like very interesting topic of curiosity and empathy. So uh, most, of the, most of the time we speak about is, uh, so if, if you have to wait, like which one you wait higher, whether it is curiosity or the empathy. <laughs> well, I think everything, I, I know that, that that's an interesting question, but actually I should say, and um, everything stems from empathy. Think of empathy as the tree and curiosity and active listening and all these other things are branches from the tree. That yeah. it, it all starts with empathy and you're, you want to know 
what drives your fellow person? What, what are their interests? What keeps them up at night? What mm -hmm. motivates them? Um, and you can't, you can't be curious about that unless you feel for them. You have, you, you have that empathy feeling. But can anyone Absolutely. teach anyone empathy, Sue? Or it comes from, like, it's internal, don't you think? Or, or if a person really wants to improve on that front, then only they can do it. Because I've read a lot of books which have uh, actually uh, not books about empathy, but books about something else, which helped me in being more empathetic, which helped me in... Uh, in active listening, right? Because active listening is also a part of empathy, right? So right. how, and, and it comes with experience, no, not that experience, but slowly and slowly when you start growing, you read more, you uh, talk to more people, then you suddenly realize that empathy is there. But it, is it inborn? What, what do you think about this? Inborn or, that is a great, question. Is empathy inborn or is it acquired? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think, um, and to use a culture uh, as, an, as an example, if your culture, your, um, and I'm talking about corporate culture here, mm -hmm. if your corporate culture, empathy isn't something that's ingrained in your corporate DNA or right. um, is involved in values of some sort, then it's going to be difficult for you to show empathy to your fellow employee, uh, a fellow customer, um, a, a supplier, um, supplier vendor, or or that. Um, I think it needs to be involved in, in the culture. Now, if you came into a culture that you you know maybe you didn't show as much empathy, I think a culture could could help you um, because you're 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 learning. So it's all, it's all about whether somebody is showing empathy or not. I think it comes down to, do they have a growth mindset or do they have a fixed mindset? If they have a growth mindset, a fixed mindset is I am who I am and I'm not changing or I can't change. Right. Growth mindset right. is um, I might be me, but I want to learn how to be better and I want to improve myself. Mm -hmm. So um, my upbringing, empathy was very important. Um, we were a very close knit family. I did a lot of things that that was my that was my immediate culture. So okay, um, and I learned. So I, I don't think it necessarily has to be inbred, but you mm -hmm. need to be in an environment where you can practice it. And it's like empathy and curiosity is like working out in the gym. It's a muscle, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. a muscle needs to be um, strengthened for it right. to be used well and used to its right. fullest potential. Right. I love that answer, actually. It, it, we can relate. So, That's a great question. <laughs> yeah, so. I, do, I do have empathy-related lot of questions because I often talk about this, but I'll keep it for a separate session uh, because <laughs> you talked about uh, so the empathy tree, right? You know, there's, there is an empathy tree and that what all things that can make grow that tree stronger you know, and, and broader the way, you know, that helps the organization to win in the CX space, right? So I, I will I will park that question uh, for a separate session, but I'll, I'll, I'll just keep it that as of now, just to okay. interest of time, please. Go ahead. Sure, sure, NK. 
yeah so i'll i'll start with the topic today uh, so we will discuss about b2b and marketing and customer experience how it comes all together uh, so well, first question for Sue uh, is, uh, as there are like multiple stakeholders involved in B2B buyer journey, like decision takes a lot more time. So in terms of that, how do we differentiate CX in B2B and B2C, or maybe the implementation of it? Because in B2B, it's completely different. It's not impulse based, right? There are a lot of stakeholders involved and decision make, takes more time. So I, I, I'm always curious, how do you differentiate these two? Well, if, it, if it's me, and it is, since you asked me the question, um, I think the bottom line, single statement that defines B2B customer experience, and that's relationships are crucial. It, everything comes down to the relationship. Um, you, your lead-in was talking about multiple stakeholders. Yes, there's multiple stakeholders, not only from the customer side that, that you're dealing with, um, people in in the company, you know, need to approve and all that stuff, but people right. inside your own company mm -hmm. to make that sale go or, you know, drive the sale, get to the point. So, you, you know, you were, talk, you were talking about marketing. Um, marketing has to do its awareness thing before the lead gets passed on to sales and um, product management might be involved if there's a customization. So all those pieces. So you mm -hmm. have multiple stakeholders, you have, um, Another thing, because of all the stakeholders, marketing is much more targeted. It's, it's much more niche focused than B2C. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talked about, or another thing is because it's B2B, it's a longer sales cycle. It all comes back to right. stakeholders. Um, mm -hmm. Even in the supply chain, how, how you're getting in the channels, how you're getting your, your B2B product out, out into the environment. I mean, with right. B2B, with, or excuse me, with B2B, I have B2B on the brain now, B2C, look at Apple as, as an example. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe Apple's not, maybe Dell would be a better right. example. Dell just has to get its product out to retailers. Retailers want to mm -hmm. fill the shelves. Right. B2B, you have to develop relationships, really strong relationships with these distributors, with these resellers. Is it something that I want to want to take on? Again, back to back to the relationship um, and customer behaviors and customer relationships. It's all very formalized. And B to C, it's I have the product, I put it online. I'm not selling you the product's there. You either want it or you don't. In B to B, there's there's the marketer, there's the sales guy, there's account manager, there's customer success, there's product manager, there's all these pieces that need to align to drive that customer behavior. Um, also, personalization. With mm -hmm. B2C, you're really not personalizing the product. You can get add-ons, but you can go online and just, okay, I want this, I want a two-year service plan with my computer, as opposed to personalized I want my product, the product specifically personalized. That takes a lot of understanding what the, what type of personalization it, the customer wants. Right. Um, so you see, there's a pattern here with with um, the relationship it, to drive people through the buyer journey and then through the customer journey. It's all about understanding that relationship. Um, another another big 
important. Another big thing is on the service. Service is much, mm-hmm. service is much more nu- nuanced. And, and talking about service, social, social media now is becoming a very strong B2B service channel. I mean, in, in the past, I know my own experience, when I have an issue with, um, I'll, I'll use British Air as a recent, well, as a quasi-recent example, that if I had an issue, I go on their Twitter account, I'm having an issue, can't get through to anybody, um, please help. And I've seen that the response times have become much quicker because they realize that customer responsiveness is number one with service. Mm-hmm. And it used to be only B2C, but now customers are going to social media for B2B, but still, it's still very nuanced. So it all, even in the metrics piece, there's all these different metrics that drive customer behaviors, that it's not just one thing. And with B2B, it's very nuanced. There's layers, there's, there's, there's multiple, think of a bicycle wheel. B2B is, and B2B CX has multiple spokes in that wheel that all have to be aligned or it's all gonna fall apart. Mm-hmm. So, so just like this, uh, very interestingly, uh, uh, is it okay to say uh, with the fact of development of digital age and specifically uh, people are like have easy access through social media to share their issues, complaints, suggestions, recommendations, promotions and everything. Is B2C is actually now a B2B and there is no B2C because in terms of relationship, the organization that focus on relationship as B2B more closely, I think it's very similar to on the B2C as well. So I would say that uh, basically B2C is, there is no B2C anymore. It's all B2B. I think you might have something there. Um, and there's a term that we're seeing a lot um, over the past few years, I've seen it, that's called B2B2C. That, and because I, I have a lot of wholesale and I also have um, commercial experience, that from, from a resale standpoint, yeah, you're selling, you're doing, you're doing your B2B, so wholesale B2B. Um, and even commercial, well, that, no, that, that, that's the B2B piece. And you're selling to businesses who are selling to their end user. So you're really selling, you're you're selling to the business with the end user in mind, because if that business doesn't feel that you're getting their end user, and that's what they care about. You know, we're um, talking about whether you have an external or internal customer, you need to understand who they are, what motivates them, what their agenda is, what their needs are, what keeps them up at night, that whole thing. If you don't get that, they're not going to get you and they're not going to trust you that what you're promising you're going to be able to deliver on. So yes, when you're looking at B2B, you have to have that end user in mind. Mm. Like even in B2C, uh, you're right. Even though if uh, like the likes of Amazon are involved or because uh, it's, it's been online now, everything, right? Or if, but if, if the retailers, the wholesalers are involved, let's take an example of Dell you are asked to the B2C person, right? The customer, uh, even though you are t- talking with B2B companies uh, who are selling your product, if you don't know much about your exact end customer, 
then even those businesses who want to sell your stuff they won't trust you right oh yeah absolutely so even though yeah so so in in any case you you the end customer in mind but yeah the the other thing that adds to this uh, way of selling from the wholesaler in mind too so there is an additional layer in, in that yes oh yeah absolutely and not discounting um need to see at all um there's one piece that i we haven't talked about on the b2c front and and that's omni channel it becomes very important right. in the b2c retail space that you have all these channels um let's say i'm buying from you and you mm -hmm. you, you sent me something via email that got me very intrigued but your mobile app is, is giving me a different experience and your store is giving me a different experience and your website is giving me a different experience. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing my hands up in the air. I don't understand what, who, what is the actual experience that I'm receiving? And when there's inconsistency, that creates trust issues. And when trust issues happen, you're, you're off to the other, you're off to someone else who, who can give you the experience that you expect. So Omnichannel is very big with, it's becoming big with B2B, but it's incredibly important in B2C. And, and customers, I mean, excuse me, companies still struggle with getting, it's not about, um, it, it, it's not about integrating. It's about Omni, where it looks like one channel, regardless of how you came in, it's one channel, one experience. Right. So, okay, so we'll, we'll come back to the B2B topic. So from this as, only the, the thing that you mentioned, uh, uh, the interesting question came in. Uh, so it, it is about like you, uh, first I, I used to think like before, like we discussed with you, I used to think that the customer success role in B2P is what does the CX role, right? But uh, as you mentioned about our discussion before, it's, it's about, it's not about that. Customer success roles generally comes in uh, e sometimes in pre-sales calls, but most of the times after the sales happens, right? So who, when does a CX person comes in a B2B, for, for example, I'll talk about B2B SaaS. When does a CX person comes in in a B2B SaaS soup? Because I have seen most of the time, I've seen B2B SaaS companies have a lot of customer success people, but not very CX people, unless they are more than 500 employees or 250 employees, something like that. Have you seen that trend as well? And when does a CX person comes in? Oh, another hot topic, hot button. So <laughs> there's there's the, the sales marketing friction. Mm -hmm. There's the sales or, or there's the, the marketing CX friction, which we'll get into um, later. Um, right. And then there's the CX, CS, as in right. customer success friction. Right. So... Um, I do a lot of talk about customer success, um, but my but my understanding, my feeling about customer success is this. Customer experience is the umbrella. Customer experience is what connects the zero moment of truth when you when you just realize you have a problem and I'm I'm out in the in the internet trying to find a solution to when the customer offboards decides that you know, or they may stay for life. Um, right. that, that, that's what connects um, 
understanding that you have a problem to becoming a, a customer for the long haul. That's the entire customer experience phase. Customer success, success is very important in terms of onboarding when a customer signs on the dotted line, converts to retention, loyalty, advocacy. Those are, I, I look at customer success as the onboarding piece and the nurturing because you have to you have to nurture that customer because just because they sign um, sign up, do they do they understand the value that they have right now? So it's constantly nurturing them mm-hmm. so that they will um, renew and then right. driving loyalty and then driving advocacy. Right. Those pieces, some of those pieces, customer experience in the past hasn't always doubled down on. Mm-hmm. And, and onboarding is key. I mean, I can give you a metric and it's one of my favorite metrics that companies that don't have formalized onboarding programs mm-hmm. can almost expect to lose a quarter to a third of their business within the first year. I mean, onboarding is that important. And um, the problem with customer success um, that customer success professionals have a problem with, um, Mm -hmm. it's not a customer success problem, is people think that customer success managers are account managers. No, they're totally different things. I mean, you have sales, you have account managers, you have customer success. That's why it's crucial for customer success to be aligned with sales and product management. Um, Mm -hmm. And depending on what type of SaaS business model you have, whether you just have the premium or whether you have a freemium and you want them to convert to premium. Right. That, that's why, uh, you know, it's not just about onboarding and nurturing. There's an adoption piece before mm-hmm. you get to retention because right. if you're not adopting the product, um, yeah, you may buy it and it might just sit idle. Oh, well, we don't really know how to use it. So we're not going to use it type thing. That's why day in, day out, customer success is always doing the engagement, always doing the nurturing. And that is a vital piece of the entire customer or customer experience. Right. Now, I, do, I believe that only having customer success in a B2B SaaS organization and not customer experience is the wrong approach. And um, you see it in customer success teams understanding what, what the real journey is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's many, many touch points. There's many, many things that you have to be aware of, like the voice of the customer and, and, right. and things of that nature, that customer success is focused on how do I help the customer success be, how do I help the customer be successful and reaching the outcomes that they want while using the product? See, it's right. all about the customer using the product. Customer experience is about the customer. Yes, the product is very important, but if you make it about the product, you lose sight of customer centricity. Right. Okay, so that's how you would differentiate. And and the also the one thing that you mentioned, uh, customer success comes generally comes after the sales or during the sales, but it is not much involved in marketing. Or have have you seen that as well? A role of customer success in marketing as well, like because I've seen companies who where they don't have a CX person at all, right? The B2B companies. And I'm sure you must have seen that as well. No, no, so no, in- I, I agree with you. I, I, I agree that they should be involved because how do they know 
Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they're, when, when they sign on the dotted line, then you, then you have the kickoff, kickoff call. And that's right. normally when they're getting involved. But how do you know what their outcomes are? Don't you think you, th- this is a question that I would I would be asking. Don't you think it's important that you know those outcomes up front so right. that you can be um, create, creating the messaging? Oh, yes, um, they get what, what my issue is. I think I'm gonna take a chance with them. Some companies do that, but I think, mm-hmm. I think on the whole, they don't. Right. And, and that's why customer experience end to end because because it becomes so important. And if a company is truly customer centric and and are leading, that they're going to have all these all these folks, the salespeople doing win loss analysis, right. um, um, understanding how they're how they're getting how how they're getting the sales wins or how they're getting getting the losses, how customer success um, having customer success in in early to understand, okay, the, these are the outcomes that they're interested in. Maybe I should create some content or help whoever's the content team create some content, use cases, things of mm-hmm. that nature that's gonna drive them to convert because what that's doing is, it's all about time to value. If you can shorten that time to when a customer, a prospect gets, they're gonna help me, I'm gonna take a chance on them because I'm listening. They're they're giving me this consistent this this consistent um, communication of what I am to expect. I'm going to take my chance on them. Right. So it all comes down to really with customer success, it's time to value. How do I get how do I get customers to realize that value as quickly as possible? When they do, that your adopt your adoption metrics are going to go through the roof, mm-hmm. which everybody wants. Right. Right, 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 right. I, I get this point. And now if I talk about the CX uh, part, right? So when a CX person comes in, how he can help the, he or she can help the customer success team as well, Sue. So like you mentioned about sales, uh, they can do win-loss analysis. They can help with that, right? Or marketing for writing better content, understanding customers a little bit more. How they will help the customer success team if a CX person comes in? I think CX, um, two pieces of, I think are important. The framework, mm-hmm. kind of the foundational, we need to, we need to do a journey mapping exercise, but it's important that the customer success team com- comes in and un- understand. And, and it, it depends on how you're doing your journey mapping. Are you doing the journey mapping with your right. customer in, in the room or mm-hmm. are you doing journey mapping internally and you're validating it with the customer after the fact, I mean, yeah. you have to have customer validations one way or the other. But, um, however, or what I, what I want to say here is that um, if you can get customer success in the room, understanding things that are happening before the customer converts mm-hmm. to a customer, that's going to give them more value-added things in their their tool tool belt, and it's just going to drive customer value even more. And along with the framework, you have the, the, govern, the governance piece. Um, who, who should have access? Um, what does that access look like? How do we, if there is an issue internally, how do we collaborate as a team to fix it quick, promptly? Right. How, do we, um, 
How do we establish a voice of a customer, the voice of the customer? Where are the listening posts? What type of information is important to us or actually important to the customer and, right. and, a, and then becomes important to us? All these pieces, the, the framework and the governance can help customer success be even more impactful mm -hmm. than they already are. Okay. And that's where the CX person comes in, in helping them out in these two things. Yes. Okay, I, think, I got I it. Think that, I think that's a really good start. Um, and I hope that customer, um, not only, yeah, I hope that sales companies start understanding the, the vital importance of customer experience. It's not just customer success. I know, okay. um, I can't remember who came up with it, but I always, I always hear customer, Success is customer experience plus outcomes equals customer success. Yes. That's, but having that, you're basically, you're, you're, you're basically implying that there, there are no outcomes in customer experience. There most definitely are outcomes in, in customer experience. That's why companies are trying really hard to operational, operationalize customer experience. You know, it's not just about a customer metric. It's about right. how, how that customer metric is actually driving conversions, driving renewals, driving um, loyalty, driving advocacy, driving customer lifetime value. Um, so, um, I have a. I, it it comes to my mind now that there is always a confusion in uh, in B two B like this. So. Once, once we, you remember, there were days when uh, customer experience and B2C was just about customer service, right? Still, people feel that way, but there were days. Now, some people are almost past it. They have separated that customer service is about uh, giving exceptional customer support, right? Being empathetic, empathetic and everything, but customer experience is more omni-channel. And it also comes before the customer comes in, after the customer comes in. It, it involves everything, every part of the journey. And currently in B2B, because uh, customer success came in around 2013, this role, if we talk about this role, right? So there is still uh, a lot of clarity required in differentiating CX and customer success in B2B like there was before in customer service and customer experience in B2C. Could you repeat that question one more time? I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, you broke up a little bit there. Uh, okay, so so uh, we were talking about like B, in B2C, there has been a problem between uh, differentiating customer support and customer experience, but it was like five, 10 years ago, but now it has been separated properly. Every Most of the people now know that customer experience is different than just customer support. But in B2B, this problem still comes in because customer success role came in 2013, around that, right? And now, it is difficult to differentiate currently that how do we differentiate B2, uh, CX and customer success in B2B? Do you, do you feel that there is a problem like that? that um, I, don't, I don't feel like there is a differentiator between success or, and experience. Um, ex experience is the umbrella, customer success is that piece, part of, very vital part of that umbrella. What I am seeing is customer um, people, in general, um, making the confusion, customer service and customer experience are the same thing. And they're two totally different things. Right. Um, and I'm seeing that, well, the ones that understand customer centricity are, are pivoting 
from a reaction only customer support contact center what what whatever you have at your com company to more proactive because they understand that the <coughs> excuse me um okay. that sometimes the customer's first contact is the contact center and a lot of times that contact center it can be responsible for um incremental revenue your cross sales your upsells maybe um what whatever um whatever type of thing even before it, the, the salesperson would, would, would get involved so they're becoming much more viable the issue that i've always had and i think i i know why it's because many companies customer support contact center whatever is separate from customer experience it's kind of its own island it's siloed um it might be that it's in different departments or different teams customer Customer service contact center is a is a very important channel which needs to be involved in the journey and the and the team members need to be involved in the whole cost, customer experience conversation that there needs to be better alignment there um, so that again to use the customer success mm -hmm. piece that there are important places that customer success is very vital. To driving that experience, right. so it is the case with customer service. It, it's a it's a viable piece, and you know, j just adding this this piece, you can talk about customer experience as it's the not really I don't want to call it the idea, but the function that okay, we're, many of us are involved in customer experience. You get customer success, marketing. You have customer marketing that that thing, um, customer customer service, as well as the, the, the CX team trying to ensure that everything's, they're the bus driver, they're driving the, the experience. All these pieces need to be aligned for a truly customer-centric, quality customer experience to occur. Okay. I think uh, it's very, uh, one question that I got here is, customer experience is uh, driven twofold. Uh, there are a few people who are responsible, like uh, firsthand, who is like mm -hmm. you know, giving firsthand experience to customer, your uh, sales team, pre-sales team, onboarding team, implementation, client success, contact center, you know, who are actually connecting with the customer either face-to-face -face or, you know, live, lively and providing the experience. They're responsible on a higher weightage that I believe uh, for giving any experience to the customer. Whereas at the same time, we have a team who does not directly interact with the customer, but also responsible for a great customer experience. If that is not done right, the, the, the experience to the customer is not the great. Like if we talk about the overall omni-channel experience of a customer, right? So in that sense, so my question is like, uh, marketing is also an important like department, an important role in an organization how that how this marketing team or marketing is actually uh, adding a value in customer experience and 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 what is the how do you see the role of marketing in a customer experience well it sounds like a two-fold two question i'll talk about the marketing in, in a sec but what i would say um customer experience should never just be about customer facing teams when you were at, when you were talk, talking, I was thinking about 
engineering, operations, they may have a process that they do that they might not be directly um, chatting with the customer, but it directly involves the customer if they're trying to reach an outcome. That's why when I talk about center of excellence and how customer experience teams are put together, each team, a representative of each team should be a part of that customer experience project management office, if, if you will. Champion. Exactly, center of excellence. As far as marketing goes, I'm a big fan of what Forrester puts out for his predictions. And I always like to say that I'm, I view myself as the intersection between customer experience and marketing because I have a lot of experience in both. And I, I love both, they're, they're, they're both passions of mine. What, what has happened to my extreme delight in 2020, the prediction was the CMO is going to be more collaborative and work, work, work with departments across, across the journey. So it's not, because I think the CMO marketing had, have done a bad rap, have done a bad rap over the years that they're only acquisition focused. And sometimes the corporate culture, I know startups, acquisition, 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 new customers. But then, yeah, but then once they get in, it's like, okay, they're in, how do you keep them so that they're, they're going to be a customer, there needs to be, or, or stay a customer, there needs to be engagement and help, helping them, you know, consistently working, working with them and understanding their voice and taking what they're, they're saying to improve products, improve experiences, what, what, whatever, whatever that is. Now in 2021, the prediction is that CMOs are going to re-engineer their marketing teams so that they're going to have a stronger control, interest, whatever, in the entire, the full customer journey. And I'm thinking, thank you, finally. They're understanding that it's not about acquisition. There's the, there's the retention piece. There's the loyalty piece. There's the advocacy piece. It all plays. And having that data centralized so you're you're getting the same everybody's getting the same information it's not coming from multiple sources which is where inconsistent experiences come from that marketing is going to be playing a much stronger role in in the whole customer experience piece what i like about that is because customer experience it, it, i consider it a no, don't know the term, but it's almost a partnership. Customer experience can teach marketing about all the different pieces of the journey, the voice of the customer, why this is all important to driving growth. Marketing can teach customer experience about the brand promise, what branding is all about, so that more customer experience can start happening at that zero moment of truth before they even get to the point of Hmm. This company is very interesting because they have, I just read this white paper that is talking about things that keep me up at night. So they may be, they may know what I'm, I'm thinking and feeling. That message wouldn't be in that content unless customer experience and, and other companies are understanding what is driving customer experience, marketing, um, customer success 
of our understanding early what these customers are concerned about. When that happens, branding, customer, their marketing, customer success, customer experience, customer support, it all aligns. So within the organization, it looks like one channel. You're not talking to, to different people on different teams. I'm talking to one person. Well, I'm talking to this person, this person, this person, and they're all three giving me the exact same experience that I expect. I think you also gave me a really good idea, Sue, about uh, what keeps CX people awake at night. Not the discussion for today, but definitely I'm going to talk about this more because if we are talking about uh, like customers, so if uh, uh, we, we always think about uh, what keeps them awake at night, what keeps them awake at night, but you guys as a CX professional, you, you have the challenge of getting to know every piece. Like you, uh, you need to know about marketing, you need to know about acquisition, sales, onboarding, uh, retention, resolution time. Like you are, guys are involved at everything. So I think you are, uh, CX is also, uh, like it's, it's like how, what keeps a CEO awake at night. It's as difficult as that for the CX person as well, right? Because you have so many things to take care of. I'm I'm going to uh, take this discussion some some other time soon, but uh, I just just from your thought, I I got this thinking that okay, so oh yeah, uh, yeah we can talk about it and you can use it for 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 something. So what, well, what keeps me up at night might be different from what keeps other people up at night. Yes, um, yeah, but so I, I can have a report about this. Uh, just talking to around like uh, fifteen uh, or maybe around 40, 45, 50 CX. I think people. it would be a, I think it would be a great um, PDF. Um, a, a, an interesting report for me. Right. Um, the C-suite who says that they want customer experience but doesn't, but doesn't champion, doesn't sponsor it. That 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 it that it that is a problem. Um, lack of governance, lack of um, centralized data. I mean, mm -hmm. we talk about single singular customer view. It doesn't have to. There should be a repository for data, a centralized place. The single customer view may be different from a marketer um, of the CMO versus a COO versus right. um, so, some, somebody else, but they're getting the data from the same spot. You can't have it from different spots. So right. that, that keeps me up at night. Um, the fact that cultures, well, I'm coining it. My, it's my formula. Um, it's culture plus employee experience plus CX drives um, drives customer growth. Right. And so when I don't see a strong employee experience or companies taking care of their employees, that's a problem because there, there's just too much data out there for for companies not to realize that a strong uh, excuse me a strong employee experience drives employee engagement and employ and engage employee employees drive customer experience. There's way, way, way too much data like it's been proven. And when I don't see those things align, but they keep talking and they being the C-suite, I want growth. Well, I've given you a recipe and, and another thing that drives me nuts is what's the ROI on it? What's the ROI? <laughs> Turn ROI. On. ROI. No, I know. ROI is the, ROI is the blood. 
right? It's a hemoglobin, maybe. ROI, though, the thing is that if you do these things, forget about the return, return on investment. Yeah. Yep. It's, going to, it's going to get you more customers. It's going to drive growth. It's going to, um, if you're a public company, it's going to increase your earnings per share, your earnings, earnings per share, EPS. It's going to increase revenue. It's going to reduce your costs. I mean, I can go on and on and on with everything that it's going to do. It's proven. And that's where I come back to an earlier thing that I said that, I think I said this, if not, um, it's very important when you, you as a customer success, or excuse me, a customer experience professional is trying to educate the C-suite that there's different members of the C-suite. Each member of the C-suite has a different agenda, different needs, keep thing, different motivators, different things that keep them up at night. If you understand your internal customer and can create a story that resonates with them, they're gonna get it and say, we are going to sponsor, we're gonna champion customer experience, we're, we're, we're gonna give it a go and we're going to be customer centric. Um, but again, you know, it all, all comes down to communications, customer relationships. Um, and remember, you have internal and external customers. So that re relationship, regardless of the customer is, is key. I, I get Absolutely. it. So one question I got, like just sticking in my head is like ROI could be your uh, big umbrella metric that covers everything, churn and retention, revenue. Do you agree with this? Like if, if we are, if the ROI of investment has been taken care, it's easy to convince the C-suite because most of the people in the CX professional focus on that. If we can showcase the value on the churn, if we can you know, reduce the churn or like we can show that, okay, this is going to increase our attraction, like new leads. These are the like, you know, qualified leads we will get. This is, this is like projection on the new revenue and we will stop these many churn rate. I think all these gonna be sit under the ROI. So how 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 do you see that, like, coinciding? Basically, give. Another basically... excellent question, and it comes down to <coughs> metrics. You have the ROI there. I'm a big believer in a metrics dashboard, and another piece that needs to be aligned. There, in my mind, there are three. My view. In my view, there are three types of metrics. There are perception metrics. So those would be like net promoter score, um, CSAT, customer effort score, that these are what you're, you're getting from customer behaviors, what the, what they're, what the perceiving that things are. Then there's the descriptive metrics. And those would be things that are actually happening. Like for instance, average handle time mm -hmm. in, in a contact center, um, first contact resolution in a contact center. These are things that are actually happening, happening, you're observing. Then the third piece is outcome metrics. How many conversions are you getting? How many, how many renewals are you getting? Are you getting, how many dem demo downloads are you getting? How many um, content, um, whether it's a PDF, you know, gated, gated content, um, liking, um, 
retweeting, right. um, you know, share, sharing your content, um, commenting on content. These are all different things. So that metrics dashboard gives you a pretty good view. There, there are patterns and things of that nature. What needs to happen with companies is, is that they need to start operationalizing customer experience. Customer experience can't just be about customer metrics. Right. It needs to be, this net promoter score is driving, is this net promoter score that we're receiving driving more renewals mm -hmm. or larger sale, larger share of wallet, larger, more, more revenue, more advocacy that their customers are actually doing some word of mouth for the company that's when they're advocating on behalf of the company, that's where you can achieve ROI. It's almost like, I know you guys like cricket in India. I, don't, I know nothing about cricket, but, I, but there are pieces of cricket and baseball that, that are similar. Yep. And there is a cliche that it's more important to get on first base than it is to get to score one. Right. And so that, that's, my, that's my comment about ROI. ROI might be the home run, but you might get on base with a renewal, more conversions, more this, that, and the other. And adding all that stuff together, all those, all those bases are gonna total the run. So instead of going to look at the ROI first, make, make your wins smaller. That I'm, I'm getting demos, I'm getting trials, I'm getting conversions. My, my customer is switching from a freemium to a premium. Right. I'm getting more cross-sells, I'm getting more upsells. That is, and tying that to what the customer metrics that you're viewing, that's going to drive your return on investment. It's the same, it's the same interest, it's just what, what is the order of questions being asked? Yeah, I think of concerns, yeah, things that you're concerned about. I think this this give me a sense on the question here is how the marketing is actually contributing to customer loyalty and customer advocacy. Well, I think that, and I'm sure that the marketing is also helping and contributing in the ROI, and that is why I bring this question here. So in my mind, my viewpoints, there are four pieces of customer roles in, in an organization, or there should be. We have customer experience, and, and we're talking B2B here. We have customer experience, we have customer success, we have customer support, and you have marketing. And I'm going to have four, there's a 4A, which is marketing and 4B, which is customer marketing. So I realize customer marketing is part of marketing, but sometimes customer marketing can be on, not siloed, but, but doing things that even though it's under the CMO, doing things that might not be considered marketing or somebody would think of marketing right away. 
And customer marketing does a lot with engagement. And customer marketing should be, if it isn't, very involved in the onboarding piece with, with, with customers. Because during that onboarding piece, get some great questions on different content pieces that can be be, be created. Okay. How do customers get segmented? And that segmentation is very, very key in, in B2B because not every customer segment is going to have the same type of content. Yep. Having the engagement, whether it's the customer, the user, and, and that could be email, it could be chat, it could be social, it could be a customer community, what, what, whatever that looks like at the end of the day. There, there, there's, there's multiple pieces. But customer, customer marketing is very crucial in driving that engagement. And that engagement is what drives loyalty and loyalty drives advocacy. And when you're, when you're looking at engagement, that's where things like an advocacy program, a loyalty program, come up. A lot of loyalty programs tend to not work because a company thinks that, oh, this is what my customer, my user want. All they need to do is ask them. And that's why engagement, customer engagement is vital and companies forget about that. And that's how marketing can drive loyalty and advocacy. Great point. Yeah, I think like uh, engagement is the key through the marketing and that, that drives and connects the experience towards the product and the services. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely great, great point. Yeah, Tanuj, you have any, I think just looking at the time uh, also. Uh, 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 so it, we do not want to take it like too long today. So we can pack up a couple of things. Tanuj, uh, you have any other outstanding question in your head? Yeah, one thing that I uh, loved actually in the last answer was uh, I, I kept on thinking and completely lost the, uh, the last two sentences. But what so you mentioned that uh, once the customer comes in, uh, we we always talk about marketing as driving content which builds brand awareness, which gets the customer to us, like the acquisition piece. But I've uh, I've not heard many people talk about once the customer joins us in, they they become a customer, and throughout that journey they must be facing other problems as well for which we should write content to build better awareness, oh, right? I'm glad you mentioned this. This is one of my favorite things. Um, yeah. you, can, you can definitely add um, lack of content into what keeps me up at night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, because that, that, that's definitely a, a very important piece. I consider content, the content framework, however you're devising content, if a CX professional is driving the train, driving the bus, then content is the road or the train track. Content connects each touch point to the other. So you talked about awareness. So you know your awareness, then 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 they get interested. Then 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 it's then they they're really considering it. You know with. With, with you know the, the trial and the demo part and then the conversion and then then you have the onboarding piece and then the nurturing and and you know the, the adoption and the and the renewal and the retention and and the loyalty and advocacy I mean all these pieces content doesn't stop 
when you become a customer. In fact, it becomes more vital. Again, going back to what I said, time to value. You always, the, the company always has to make sure that that time to value is shortened. And, and it's not a one and done. Oh, they signed on the dotted line. Um, we've achieved value. No, it comes down to really customer lifetime value. I don't like to ever talk about a single metric, but I believe that customer lifetime value is as close as we have to a single core metric because it's that it's that important. That's what drives everything. That's what drives customers staying. That's what drives growth. It drives everything. It's it's for the uh, so the customer lifetime value will increase once the customer feels more valuable and they are getting their outcomes right. And the, right, because and, and, um, it's, all, it's all about um, larger share of wallet. It yeah. comes to the cross sells, the upsells, the more revenue yeah. pieces. And um, it helps business as well. So it's like a com. Right. So that's why it's a very important metric. It helps the customer. That's why they are staying, right? It measures the loyalty. It and it also tells you how the business is growing. So I think it can be one of the most important metric for any exactly. organization. I think that's uh, that's actually. Love, lovely. Uh, so if I, if I talk about the things that I've taken, which are like, whenever you do any podcast, any read a book or anything, there are three things that always stick in your mind, right? So, so for me, uh, the, the first thing that stick in my mind this uh, uh, today was the win-loss analysis. I loved that part. Uh, the second is how you described the ROI of CX in the baseball example. It was absolutely brilliant and then how the customer lifetime value and how the content piece helps actually uh, in driving the customer loyalty and how it is connected to awareness loyalty retention and everything how it is so these are my key takeaways uh, that i'm i'll never going to forget so thank you so much for these oh, in, this well, insightful and, you know I, I love talking about customer experience and, and um, <laughs> marketing and thank you for inviting me um i had a great time chatting today yeah same same and